When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Last night, they weren't really in the zone. It was an ugly game. But it completed NFL Week 11. And now we kind of start to have an interesting question. Are the Ravens good enough to win a game in the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that. But they are now sliding into the sixth seed in the AFC. And the Houston Texans, in the wake of the Deshaun Watson injury, continue to plummet down the playoff uh, rankings and basically are done sitting at four and seven. Meanwhile, the Ravens are six and five. And that kind of sets up our uh, overall worldview here as the playoffs move into the final five weeks of the season. I thought we would take a look at that. But first, things have gotten so bad in Houston that this was the entirety of Tom Savage's post-game press conference. Listen carefully and quickly because there isn't a lot here. Good. Good. Great. That's that's the entirety of Tom Savage's post-game press conference. So he walked in, said, we good, and then turned around and walked out. I don't know if he would defend himself by saying nobody had a single question. I find it hard to believe that in the wake of a Monday night football game, when he's the starting quarterback, that the Houston media and everybody else there to cover that game didn't have a single thing to ask him, but it's kind of a sign of how bad I think the situation has gotten there for Tom Savage. And again, if you're Bill O'Brien, how in the world did you ever start this guy over Deshaun Watson? And also, 
what would the Houston Texans season look like if Deshaun Watson had never gotten hurt? I think they're certainly contending for the division title. Instead, they're four and seven. I think you could probably flip that record. I think they'd probably be seven and four if Deshaun Watson had never gotten hurt. But they are four and seven. What does the playoff picture actually look like? Uh, right now, with five weeks to go in the AFC, the Steelers are their overall number one team. The Patriots number two. Titans number three. The Kansas City Chiefs are in the four spot. Jacksonville in the five spot. And the Baltimore Ravens are in the sixth spot with Buffalo right on the outside looking in. And maybe the most intriguing thing is just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how competitive the NFC playoff picture could end up being. Maybe that's actually going to be true of the AFC instead because the Bills, not awful, right? I mean, they're not awful. They're potentially a playoff team at six and five. Uh, I don't think they're good enough to win a game once they get to the playoffs, but they certainly can contend for the playoffs. The Bengals, I don't think, are awful. The Chargers and Oakland are both good enough to win the AFC West because the Chiefs have lost five of six. So I think there's going to be a legitimate race now in the AFC West. Uh, So there are, I think, 10 teams that can contend for a playoff spot as we come into the final five weeks of the season in the AFC. Tough thing for the NFC is the teams are so good at the top that they're creating a lot of gaps. So obviously the Eagles are in first place if the season ended today. Vikings continue to win, even though I don't 100% believe in them. Uh, Then we've got the Rams, the Saints, uh, the Carolina Panthers, and the Atlanta Falcons rounding out your top six. Remember, that NFC South is just a loaded division right now. All three of the top, three out of six of the playoff teams coming from that division. And you can make an argument that by far, that division is the best in the NFL. Then you have the uh, Seahawks sitting right outside the the uh, NFC playoff race, followed by the Detroit Lions. I'm not sure, frankly, that anybody other than Seattle is going to end up contending for the playoffs in the NFC because I think Carolina and Atlanta and New Orleans are so good. Maybe they just beat each other up enough where the total wins doesn't end up being substantial enough that the Seahawks can slide in. But that is your uh, that is your setup right now. Now, a couple of uh, stories that I think are worth paying attention to. Tonight is the college football playoff ranking. And it's actually going to be pretty substantial because I believe that this is going to set up the biggest debate that we've had in a very long time in the college football playoff. And that is going to be Alabama against Ohio State for the final spot in the playoff. Let me explain why I think that's going to be what we end up with. First of all, Let's kind of look at the, the college football playoff right now, and I'll run you through the overall landscape. We're going to talk with Barrett Salee about this in a, mo- uh, in, in a second segment of the show as well, cbssports.com uh, writer. But right now, there are nine teams alive for the college football playoff. As we come into Tuesday and we have the playoff rankings coming out tonight, there are nine teams that could potentially make the playoff. Who are those teams? There are three from the SEC. The teams that are playing in the SEC title game, Georgia and Auburn, whoever wins that game is in. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think anybody would be uncertain. So Georgia and uh, and Auburn are both still alive, and whoever wins their game will be in the playoff. Then we have Alabama, who's 11-1 and and is waiting to see what's going to happen. They're right there on the periphery of the playoff. Then in the Big Ten, we have got Wisconsin. If Wisconsin wins to go to 13-0, and they're in the playoff. If Ohio State wins, then they get into a debate with Alabama, which we'll get to 
maybe partly for this show. I think this is the big debate of the week, honestly, because uh, on Sunday we'll find out who exactly makes the playoff, and I think it's going to come down to Alabama and Ohio State because I think Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Then we have, as you continue through the lineup, in the Pac-12, nobody. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and eliminate the Pac-12. They have zero chance to make it. In the Big 12, 12-1 Oklahoma is in. I think if TCU wins in a totally unnecessary Big 12 title game, the Big 12 might get knocked out. That's kind of the challenge in general there. Uh, Then we have a situation in the ACC where I think it's pretty clear if Miami wins, they're in. I think Clemson is 100% in if they get to 12-1. and So that is your college football playoff landscape as it currently stands. And I think it's going to end up being a hell of a debate. Um, I'm going to bring in the crew here and ask them what they think of this. Um, because ultimately, I believe what's going to happen this weekend in the college football playoff games uh, sorry, the college. What's well, kind of like a college football playoff already? The conference title games is. I'm not even sure what's going to happen between Georgia and Auburn. I think that's a coin flip game. I don't know that the outcome of that game really matters at all. So SEC champ is in. The loser is out. Okay. In the Big Ten, I think Ohio State is going to win, and I think Wisconsin is going to be out. I think that Oklahoma is going to beat TCU again. And that would put Oklahoma into the uh, into the playoff for sure at twelve and one, and I think Clemson is going to beat Miami. So your final debate would be Alabama going head to head against Ohio State. Which of those two teams do you believe most deserves to get in? I'll start with you, Jason Martin. It's tough because I think Alabama passes every eye test but they have the number 62 ranked schedule. And that's been the argument against Wisconsin this entire time, that if they didn't run the table, they wouldn't get in because they haven't played anybody. But I think their schedule is 63rd. So it's that close between those two teams. Ohio State got destroyed by Iowa, and I can't let that go. I mean, they got absolutely embarrassed. to 24 was the score in Iowa. And, And to me, that's almost an argument that Alabama needs to keep beating on its head. That, look... Is there any way in possible that Alabama would have gone on the road at Iowa and given up 55 points? And if your answer is no, and I think most people listening to us right now would say no, then that to me is the best argument for Alabama deserving to be in the in the playoff is that they are better on the eye test. I can run through some of the data, and I will later in the show kind of comparing them. So, Because I think that's that's going to be the final decision. I think that's going to be the decision the committee faces. Do we go with a second team from the SEC or do we take Ohio State? So 11 and 1 Alabama versus 11 and 2 Ohio State. Now, if Wisconsin wins, I don't think there's any debate at all because I think it's actually I mean the debate would just be about how the, how you set up the seeding. You'd have the SEC champ, you'd have the ACC champ, you'd have the Big 12 champ assuming it's Oklahoma, and you'd have the Big 10 champ. And Ohio State and Alabama would both be on the outside looking in. But I think Ohio State is going to beat Wisconsin. Odds makers would agree with me that line, Ohio State about a six-point favorite over Wisconsin. And oh, by the way, if you think the goal of the committee is to take the best available team, Alabama would be favored over Ohio State on a neutral field according to Las Vegas. What about you guys in L.A.? Have you been following this thing closely enough 
to have a strong opinion on Alabama versus Ohio State. We're kind of looking into the future here, which I think will be the decision the committee will have to make Sunday and Saturday and everything else after these games are all decided. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Alabama needs to hope that the committee thinks back to last season when Ohio State made the playoff despite winning neither its division or conference. Yes. Um, they were dominated on both sides of the ball, so I think that's the problem and why, why they're under the microscope. Gonna Auburn be- might be right now the best team in college football, so I don't know. I mean, Auburn dominated Georgia. We'll see how they look, how healthy they are at the running back position. I mean, the, the line is Auburn around a two-point favorite over Georgia in the SEC title game. So I think I'm probably going to end up picking Auburn there, um, but it is going to be a uh, a real challenge, right, for either team to win that game. So, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't consider Alabama getting beaten like they were to be as bad as others do, because I think Auburn's just that good right now. Yeah. What do you think about teams on the outside looking in? I think it's yeah. Alabama. It, well, it ranked number eight, isn't it? Central Florida. Oh, I, I don't power think rankings. Florida, yeah, I don't think Central Florida has a chance to get in. I, now, look, I think this is this is why I have been arguing for a while that going to eight playoff teams makes the most sense. Now, some of you can say, "Oh, that makes you're ludicrous." Like, no, I think if you went to eight right here, let's think about what it would look like at the end of the college football t- conference title games. Here, you'd have all five conference champs, and then you'd have three wild cards. Central Florida would probably get in. Uh, although uh, they play, who does Central Florida play? Uh, Memphis this weekend, and the over-under in that game, I believe, is 85. So you want to just watch an entertaining game. My God, that game is going to be unbelievable up and down the field. But so you'd have Central Florida in as the wild card, and you would have Alabama certainly in as a wild card, and then you'd have a debate probably as the eighth-best team. But if you're a USC fan, you would think you have a decent chance to get in. Uh, you would think that uh, that potentially, who knows, uh, maybe you could get in at Miami. Like, there'd still be a lot of uh, argument about eight, but it would be a less of a severe argument, and you'd have an incredible playoff. We'll talk about what the eight-team playoff would look like once those results are done on Monday as we unpack everything. Uh, what about you, uh, Justin? Any strong opinions here as to whether who should get in between Ohio State and uh, Alabama? I mean, I I don't I don't watch closely enough to have a super informed opinion, but I mean, Alabama that's the, that's their only blemish really, and and I mean I, I I think if they get in, it's they're gonna make noise like they always do. Alabama would be favored to win the conference, the college football playoff if they get in as one of the final four. I think that's where, and we'll talk to uh, we'll talk tomorrow to John Campbell, and then on Thursday to my guy out in the desert, uh, Todd Furman. That's where I think the the discussion point really becomes intriguing is are you taking the best four, the most deserving four? Shouldn't you consider who Vegas considers to be the best team if your goal is to get the four best playoff teams? Uh, that, to me, is a, is a decision the committee's going to have to make. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Alex Marvez, are you happy to have Dan Mullen now as the new head coach down at the University of Florida? 
Oh, you better believe it. Yes, we have a head coach, by the way. Just wanted to uh, point that out. And uh, By the way, thank you for not making me sign that memorandum of understanding before coming on the show. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we got to get done that. we got to get NDAs, too. Uh, lots of uh, inappropriate behavior going on during the show, so i got to make sure that everybody signs an NDA so uh, we don't end up uh, – I don't want Cooper charging me with sexual harassment um, somewhere down the line. That would be tough for me to explain away to my wife. Um, all right, so uh, when you look at the NFL picture right now, yes. we thought a couple of weeks ago – that the NFC playoff picture was actually going to be the really complicated one, and the AFC, it was going to be hard to find teams that are going to be able to compete for the wild card spots. I'm starting to think that it's actually the opposite now because the collapse of the Kansas City Chiefs losing five of their last six puts the Raiders and the Chargers within hailing distance of actually winning that division. Meanwhile, if you look at the NFC, I'm not sure anybody other than Seattle, what with the recent loss by the Lions to the game in their in their game against the Vikings on, on Thanksgiving, I'm not sure they can compete at all. So we may only have one viable wild card competitor in the Seahawks down the stretch uh, versus several in the AFC. Is that a crazy way of looking at things or has the, have the league shifted a little bit? No, it has shifted a little bit. You're right about that. And listen, Baltimore now, you know, starting to surge a little bit here at 6-5, and five, and they're tied with the Bills, but they have that tiebreaker edge right now. But does anyone feel confident in the Bills down the stretch? You feel a lot better about the Baltimore Ravens because of their track record. Listen, they're going to get there in the postseason, in my opinion. They're going to get there ugly because this is what the Baltimore Ravens do, and nobody wants to play them because they will beat you up. And you know what? Even if you win that game, in a lot of ways you lose because of the physical toll it takes playing against these guys. Now, one thing to watch though clay and this gets curious here and it's not just because of of houston you know they're out of it right now i don't see them rallying you know especially behind tom savage over the next five games for them but will tennessee or jacksonville take a step back you know the schedule is such that you say no but do we really trust that any of these teams you know could there be a potential collapse where tennessee loses four of its final five or three of its final five the same goes for jacksonville you know after the performance we saw against uh, against arizona and would they potentially fall back into the pack and could there be a team like kansas city that potentially goes as a wild card if the chargers are able to catch up with them at nine and seven we can't totally discount the raiders it is very muddled right now in the afc and i guess until monday night football passes we can't totally count out the bengals either in this playoff race but they gotta win monday night against pittsburgh at home otherwise forget about it all right so you just mentioned the kansas city chiefs they looked like world beaters to start this season I believe they came out five and zero. they went on the road opening Thursday night they beat the Patriots teams evolve over the course of the season and all of their evolution has been towards Neanderthal football they are now they've reversed the evolutionary chain and they're actually going in a bad direction they're one in five in their last six what in the world's happening well, they didn't play Tyler Bray. I mean, it's obvious that that's what's going <laughs> yes. on in Kansas City. Uh, no, you know what? It, teams caught up with them. They caught up with the gimmick offense, and, they, and, and they've stopped taking the shots downfield that they once did, so defenses continue to creep toward the line of scrimmage. It, it's almost like a, a horizontal offense rather than a vertical offense, right? Throw the wide receiver screen and hope that a guy can make a play in space. And they just simply don't have a ton of offensive weapons. And the defense is a shell of what it was. The defense used to set up the offense, right? And, and it was fine. But now this defense is really hurting. They're not getting good pass rush. D. Ford has been sidelined. Tamba Hali, who knows what you get from him at this point. He's really broken down. They've never really effectively placed Eric Berry at safety. And when you're signing Darrell Revis at this point of the season, what does that tell you about how you feel about your secondary? 
secondary. And that that loss to the Buffalo Bills was a damning loss because this is a Bills team that was really on the ropes. And, you know, after the, the loss of the Chargers and the Nate Peterman experience and the Urban Sombrero and all that came with it, you know, th- this was a team that was ready to fold and said the Chiefs find a way to lose. Now, of course, are the Chargers going to become the Chargers again, right? Lose a game that they should win along the way, let special teams cost them. They're only 12 of 19 on field goals this season. Things like that that, that just happen toward this franchise. Are they going to fall short of catching the Chiefs? The Raiders, I mean, can they keep it together? You're starting to see them run the football more now, try to grind it out, try to take some of the pressure off that defense. So, listen, the Chiefs, what once was a certainty at 5-0, and as you obviously play, not a certainty to make the postseason at all. Alex, can you come back with this final segment for a couple more minutes? Yeah, you blew format. I know. I'll cover for you again. No problem. Uh, I did blow format. That's a radio. I, I mean, you're on top of things. Um, yeah, we went long on the open. I got so riled up talking about this college football playoff committee. Um, so we're going to come back with Alex Marvez. We'll talk more NFL final segment of hour two. But first, I got to tell you, here are some car laws you might not know about. In Alabama, illegal to drive blindfolded. In Oklahoma, illegal to read comic books while driving. And in Russia, It's illegal to drive a dirty car. Here's something else you might not know about cars that's really helpful and won't get you in trouble with the law. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. Here's something else you might not know. TrueCar users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Back with Alex Marvez. More on the NFL playoff picture and more next final segment. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I uh, am here now with my guy, Alex Marvez. We're talking about the NFL. Alex, uh, we were just talking about the playoff picture. NFC South. NFC South right now, we have three of the six playoff teams in. You've got the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints who lost a tough game against the Rams. All three of those teams would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. Do you think all three will be able to keep up this pace, obviously with several of these interconference and interdivisional games going on down the stretch? Or is that a situation where it's almost impossible for three from the same division to make the playoff? It's a toughie because you're right. They are going to cannibalize themselves. But, man, I just find it so hard to count any of these teams out. Listen, the Saints got hit by injuries in their secondary, and after winning eight straight games, I just felt like a letdown was inevitable for this team. You know, just you're playing the odds, right? And you're playing a Rams team that had just gotten their tails kicked by the Minnesota Vikings on the road. They This was a statement game for them, so to speak. So that, that outcome didn't surprise me. The Panthers escaped the trap game against the Jets. That was big. You know, they actually gave up more than 400 yards of offense during that game, which is so uncharacteristic of the Panthers, right? But still, they got they got past it. I think, you know, this game against New Orleans, obviously, on Sunday is a biggie. But how do I discount the Falcons? And I talked to Matt Ryan after the game on Sunday. And Matty told me, you know, listen, the reason we're starting to play a little bit better on offense are these third-down conversions. And when you look at it, they're number one in the NFL right now in third-down conversion rate. But they were especially good on Sunday against Tampa Bay. The past three weeks, there's something like 64% on third downs, which is ridiculous, right? And he's saying that by being out there, we're 
really starting to be able to get into a rhythm. Now, what alarms me a little bit is a defense that seems to run out of gas as the game goes on. You know, they're just not able, like, you know, Tampa Bay able to creep back in that game. Seattle, with, at times where the Falcons looked like they could pull away on Monday Night Football, they didn't. The Seahawks hung around. So I have a little bit of skepticism about that. But, I, you know, when you look at Seattle and their next three games, Clay, you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, you're talking about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, and then the Los Angeles Rams. You know, and then you got Zeke Elliott, by the way, coming back on, on December 24th. I mean, this is just such a rough stretch for the Seahawks. I can really see them fading. I don't buy into the Detroit Lions, so that's why I'm still pretty bullish on the NFC South getting there, but a lot's going to depend upon whether Seattle can weather this storm. And without Richard Sherman, without Cam Chancellor, without Cliff Averill, eh, not buying it. Who's better, Steelers or Patriots? Uh, you know what? You know, Steelers may win. In, in week 15, but I still I can't go against New England. Pittsburgh's so erratic, you know, and you don't know what you get from week to week. But Clay, one thing I found out too, and it's finally dawning upon me after 23 years of doing this, these you know, these conference games or you know conference matchups where where a team plays another team after not facing them for four years, they're so unpredictable. And I'm trying not to draw too many conclusions from this Pittsburgh Green Bay game, right? Because I just can't buy into Brett Hundley as as being you know the absolute answer at, at quarterback. But then again, you know I look and he had to play the Ravens the previous week. Again, another unfamiliar opponent. It's just hard for me to make snap judgments based upon games between two opponents who really don't face each other. You don't spend a lot of time game planning for them because you don't see them on a regular basis in terms of you're going into uncharted waters, so to speak. If I can throw any more cliches out there, I will let you know. That being said, I think the Steelers will be able to catch the Patriots because that will be the end of a three-game road swing for New England by that point. Also, coming off a short week playing Monday Night Football in Miami, then having to go to Pittsburgh. And listen, you saw the, the pregame interview with Mike Tomlin and Tony Dungy, Tomlin admits it. Look, we're looking forward to week 15. If he can just keep his team's focus on the task at hand, I think Pittsburgh could win that game, but let's not forget New England tried and true. And by the way, they've beaten the Steelers before on the road in AFC AFC Conference Championship games twice under Bill Belichick. So do I buy? I think the Steelers may be the best team in some ways but and it might get that home field advantage but I think New England's still going to the Super Bowl. Do you buy into this idea that Dak Prescott has got significant issues now because Ezekiel Elliott's not there or do you think this is an example which is maybe even more alarming to Cowboy fans of NFL defenses starting to catch up with what Dak Prescott can and can't do well? I, I think it's more an example of what Jason Garrett and his staff can and can't do well. And, you know, what I don't think they did well was a, was plan for Zeke Elliott being out. But then again, look, you know, Dak Pre- Dez Bryant right now. And I think the Cowboys have a, a real serious decision that they've got to make with Dez in the offseason. They're paying him like a number one wide receiver. He is a number two receiver. Clay, he can't get open. He, he doesn't have speed. He's a nice, you know, possession guy. I look at him as like maybe an Anquan Bolden type, which isn't an insult. It's just I, I don't think he's a number one guy. They don't make chunk plays down the field anymore. And, you know, listen, we can, we can talk about the offensive line, and that's had its, its issues. I don't put this one on Dak. I put this one on the Cowboys not having a good game plan for when Zeke Elliott went out. I also look at it as just not having a very good complement of, of front-line wide receivers. The Cole Beasleys of the world are fine. Terrence Williams are fine. But you've got to have that number one guy, in my opinion, to help fuel your offense. Look at it in Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, they all feed off each other. Well, in this case, there is no number one wide receiver. And then when you take out the, another, the number one running back in Zeke Elliott, well, what do you got? You've got a mess right now in Dallas. Oh, and by the way, you know, when Sean Lee isn't on the field, forget about it. I mean, I think Keenan Allen is still catching passes right now, five days later, against the Dallas Cowboys secondary, just like he did on Thanksgiving.
Who wins the AFC South, the Titans or the Jags? I'm going to go with the Titans because I just can't buy into I mean, and I know Marcus Mariota, you know, ever since the mustache has come, have you noticed that <laughs> he hasn't played well with the stash? Yes. It's got to go, brother. And look, you already got one coach, like, not hired by the balls. Can you potentially work here to try to get rid of the stash for your own team's well-being? Well, I think it's got to go now because it was a November November move, right? So now he's moving into December. I think he's going to take this thing off. There's no stopping the Titans now. I agree with you. I think the Titans are going to find a way to win the AFC South. Yeah, and listen, Jacksonville, I just don't believe in Blake Bortles. Look at, there's a chart out there on the interwebs, and I believe everything I read, by the way, I would, <laughs> about Blake Bortles, number of completions past 10 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. He just couldn't get it done. Teams are playing four-man front. They're saying Leonard Fournette's not going to beat us. Blake Bortles is going to have to beat us. Blake Bortles isn't beating people. You know, so that's why this is a, you know, again, with Jacksonville, the schedule sets up. It's not, it, it's on paper, it's very easy, but this is a Jags team to me where I think the bottom could start to fall out a little bit. And, I, and you know, not like, I think, you know, listen, and in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? And that's how I look at the Tennessee Titans in that division. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. couple of uh, different stories. One, like we haven't even hardly talked about this today because it's still just such a uh, work in progress. But the Tennessee uh, search for a college football coach continues. And we're going to play you some audio before this segment is done of WWE Raw last night when Tennessee fans began to chant during Raw, which was taking place in Knoxville, fire John Curry. That's their athletic director. The search ongoing for who the next coach at Tennessee will be. I'm hearing all sorts of things, and there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, now in the wake of Greg Schiano not being hired. I will reiterate this. He didn't admit to it. He's sounding a lot like a coach in uh, in a press conference when he's asked about his interest. Jason Witten has had meetings with John Curry about his interest in being a Tennessee football coach if they came further down the list than the top-tier candidates. Not saying it's going to happen, but Jason Witten, yes, the tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, I am telling you, 100 billion percent, I would stake every dollar that I own. That's how confident I am and who has given me this information, would be interested in taking the Tennessee job if they continue to work through the list and are not able to find a top candidate. Jason Witten, Dallas Cowboy tight end. I reiterate it. I will put every dollar that I own on my confidence in that story. So uh, he said, I think I've got the quote. He said, uh, for those of you out there who heard the final hour yesterday, I floated this and then wrote about it on OutKick. Let's see. He said in response to questions, I mean, University of Tennessee is my alma mater. It's just a storied program, a proud program. I have so many great relationships relationships up there over the years. And since John Curry came back as the AD, had a lot of great conversations with him and have a good relationship with him, I know they are. There's a lot of smart people around him. They're working hard to hire and make the right hire to get our program back. I'm confident they'll do that. For me, certainly, coaching is something I can see myself doing down the road, having one of those opportunities. But right now, I'm all in with this team. My feet are planted firmly here. And this opportunity they have in 2017 and getting it right this week. And not only that, but I really love this team we have and what we're trying to build and get it right right now and for beyond for the future. So I feel too good to think that I'd consider something like that at this point. He would, and he would leave. I'm just telling you. You can believe me or you cannot believe me. I would bet every single dollar that I own 
on the fact that Jason Witten would leave the Dallas Cowboys and take over as the coach, if that happened. I know it's a crazy uh, situation as Tennessee works through their coaching hire. I don't think the offer is going to get to him, but I'm just telling you right now, if he got offered the Tennessee job, he would quit playing for the Dallas Cowboys and he would take over as the next coach at the University of Tennessee. If you think this story can't get any crazier, that is a possibility. And again, I'm reading directly from Jason Witten's responses and everybody immediately said, oh, Clay Travis has no idea what he was talking about. I would bet every dollar that I own, every dollar that I own on Jason Witten being willing to leave the Dallas Cowboys and take over the University of Tennessee head coaching job. That's how confident I am. People can say, oh, Clay Travis, he's an idiot. He's out. I have to tell you right now, I would put my money where my mouth is on this story. I would put every dollar that I own on Jason Witten being willing to leave the Dallas Cowboys to take over the University of Tennessee coaching job. All right, the other story. that I think I think this is going to turn into a big story tonight when the college football playoff rankings come out. Now, I've actually done this before. Uh, for two years, when I was working at Fox Sports, we did a college football playoff committee mock selection show. And my guy Petros was on it with me. He's going to be my next guest here on the show in Hour 3. Petros Papadakis, uh, 570 AM Sports in Los Angeles. He did it with me, and he just did it recently. I saw that they did it uh, like the last week or so. Um, and so I know exactly how the playoff selection committee works. So for people out there who say, oh, you have no idea. He has to recuse himself when they're talking. Just stop, all right? I'm more informed about this than you are. But... For everybody else out there, Jason Martin, you pulled up the, the way this works. Somebody wants to see me actually do a mock playoff selection committee show. I've done this for hours as a part of Fox for two years. I think it was two years. might have been three years we did it. Stuart Mandel, Bruce Feldman, me, Joel Klatt, Petros Papadakis, um, Dave Wanstead, Rob Stone, uh, and uh, that was the crew. Jason Whitlock, I think, did it one year with us. Um, and it's a pretty fun exercise to rank the teams and see how it all works out. But in terms of how teams get ranked, what I am saying is a potential massive story is that Ohio State's athletic director is one of the 13 people. There's only 13 people on the college football playoff selection committee. And I believe it is likely to end up 11-1 Alabama versus 11-2 Ohio State when all is said and done. Why do I believe that? Clemson or Auburn is in. Sorry, Auburn or Georgia is in. Clemson or Miami is in. SEC and ACC title games. If Oklahoma wins to get to 12-1, they are unquestionably in. They would be in right now as well. That fourth spot, if Ohio State beats Wisconsin – and Ohio State is a full touchdown favorite right now. So a pretty substantial favorite in the Big Ten title game. And all you Wisconsin people tweeting me, oh, we're going to dominate Ohio State. Okay, good, more power to you. I hope that you guys can get to 13-0, and make it a really easy decision. Because a 13-0 and Wisconsin is in, and there's not a lot of debate about it, okay? But, but. If it comes down to 11-2 Ohio State versus 11-1 Alabama, which I think is most likely, how in the world can one of the 13 people deciding who makes the playoff be the Ohio State athletic director? And you can say, oh, he's got to recuse himself. Oh, he can't vote. But, Jason Martin, how does this actually take place? How does the voting take place? Because it's a little bit confusing. I remember the first time I did it as a member of a mock playoff selection committee 
I was surprised by how the process played out. Tell people out there who may not know the nitty-gritty of how this uh, uh, playoff selection is made. Okay, so I went through the through the website and through all the procedures and kind of tried to boil it down so it's more simple. The first step, members list the top 30 teams in the country in no order. The second step, the members list the top six in order. That's called the listing step. If you're a recused member, for example, Gene Smith at Ohio State, he cannot list a recused team. If that team is within a vote, that team would then get pulled with the teams receiving the fewest votes. And that's a little convoluted, but that's generally he's not going to be able to mention it. All right. Number three, all those rankings are added together from one to six. Three with the fewest points become the top three seeds Which in will, the college by the way, football playoffs. not be complicated probably this year. The top three seeds, I'm telling you right now, after the conference title games, likely the top three seeds are going to be Whoever wins the SEC between Auburn and Georgia, I'm trying to simplify this for everybody out there listening, top three seeds, probably whoever wins the ACC, I think it's fair to say Clemson or Miami, and whoever wins, I believe, if Oklahoma does, I should say, if Oklahoma beats TCU as they're favored to do, that would be your top three. So you would have those three teams. And then the debate would be, again, over the fourth team. So the top three would be on the board. They're out of the discussion. And then your debate would be, okay, who's the four? My position on this, he's not allowed to vote in the top six. What if Gene Smith makes Alabama his number seven team? That's a pretty substantial difference, right? Because the total pool of votes comes into play here. Then he has to leave, and then he's not allowed to discuss. Does that mean that he doesn't have a ballot for the top six at all? So you actually only have 12 people deciding this? Yeah, basically, all the rankings get added together from one to six. Like I said, the three with the fewest points become the top three seeds. Then the members list the six best remaining teams. If that team, that recused team, is part of that six, then he's out again. Like, he's not part of these steps at all. The only thing he can do is list the top six in the listing phase. Can't rank at all in terms of when it actually starts to get added. So they add the six best remaining teams in no order after they get these top three. You've made this way too complicated. Nobody no, out there is so. able. Nobody is out there right now who's listening to us is able to understand this. Basically, all right, well, all right. sum Basically, it up, listen, sum listen, it up listen, in a listen. sentence. The top okay, three best, get pulled out. Top three get pulled out. Then the next six get listed again in a separate vote, and they get put in no order. And then the top three, in terms of votes of those six, get held over to the next step. And at no point after when you first list the six teams originally. Does it? Does anybody that's recused get any part of this at all? Not voting, not discussing, not deliberating. The only thing that a recused member can do is answer direct questions about that school factually. Nobody who's listening to this right now can understand at all what's going on. Here's the basic way that you end up with this. The top three teams end up ranked. And then the next discussion phase is over you narrow it down to three teams, and then one of those three teams will be selected for the playoff. They made it way too complicated in terms of what's going on. Effectively, you've got a poll going on. The takeaway here is, as I am understanding it from you, Gene Smith will not be able to vote on Ohio State. He'll be able to lobby and outside and everything else, but that would in theory mean that only 12 people are able to vote on who the fourth best team is in the college football playoff. Correct? 
Generally, yeah. When you said lobby, that would have to be that's outside of the rules. He would not be able to lobby. Technically. He can lobby. The only thing he, he can, can do lobby, is answer look, questions. He can lobby outside of the room, is what I'm saying. Right, I'm saying if that's outside be- the rules. That's outside the rules, though. And the, the way the rules are confined is the only thing that he is able to do is answer direct questions about Ohio State factually without now, providing here, any here kind is, of subjective commentary. Here is my other question: Clemson's athletic director is also on this board, right? Yes. So is he allowed to vote for four through six if Clemson is ranked in the top three? That's an interesting question. That's not one of the things that's discussed. But if your team is in that top six, then you're not part of the ranking phase at all. So in theory, we could have only, like we've basically knocked down all the way a 13-person committee to actually only 11 people would be voting on who the four best fourth best team is if that's the way that it's being applied. You understand my logic yes. there? If yes. you're having yes. to recuse Clemson because the Clemson athletic director is involved, I don't think it's going to be that much of a conflict if Clemson gets in. I think most people would say, hey, 12-1 and one, Clemson is going to be in. But he would have to be recused as well. You've managed to create a 13-person committee and then cut it down to an 11-person committee based on the fact that two of those ADs would not be able to be involved. So actually, you're only going to have 11 people deciding who the fourth best team in college football is. Right? Yep. Yep. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I don't think most people think about the nitty-gritty of how the college football playoff committee works. I think they just look at the ratings, uh, the rankings, I'm sorry, uh, 1 to 25, and then they're like, okay, well, there's the rankings. They don't think about the like, how is the hot dog made here? What you're actually going to end up with is an athletic director from Ohio State who is on a committee technically is allowed to vote, I think, in the initial rating ranking. So he could put Alabama outside of the top six. Alabama's probably going to make the top six, but he could leave them at seven. The other thing is nobody on this committee's ballot is actually ever public. So if somebody decides that they want to take a shot at a rival or they've got some poor relationship with a school, they can do it almost without with impunity. And it matters in a big way because I think we just discovered that we're only going to have 11 guys in – I think it's all dudes, right? Is Condoleezza Rice still on the committee or she's rotated No, she's off? not on it anymore. So it's 11 dudes. So basically only 11 people decide who's going to be on the college football playoff. That yes, doesn't seem that would I mean be that, that that's crazy to me. We just have 11 people, random guys out there. Think about the impact of every individual voter and the fact that we have a clear conflict with Ohio State's AD on the committee. This is just a bad I I've been on this for a long time. It's a bad way to select the playoff. And I think the, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is when you have a difficult decision to make and I think 11-2 and two Ohio State versus 11-1 and one Alabama would be a difficult decision for many people. When you have a bad decision, a difficult decision to make, what you frequently end up with is this is when we go in and we look at the way that something is constructed, right? When, remember back in 2000 when Al Gore and George W. Bush had that big debate uh, that went all the way to the Supreme Court over the election in Florida? Elections in America are messy. They are oftentimes not perfect, like everything that humans are involved in. But usually, the imperfection of our elections doesn't end up on a national stage 
because usually it's not that close. Usually it doesn't matter that we got a butterfly ballot in Palm Beach County and a bunch of Jewish people accidentally voted for Pat Buchanan instead of Al Gore. Usually their error would get rounded out over the fact that millions of people are voting. It's not going to come down to like 100 votes one way or the other. What I'm saying here is this situation is going to be so close if if I am projecting what actually ends up happening ends up happening. Ohio State versus Alabama, okay? This is a clear conflict of interest for the athletic directors. And if you have to pull out Clemson and you have to pull out Ohio State as their athletic directors, there are only 11 people that are going to end up voting on who is going to make the college football playoff, and it might be a 6-5 to vote. It might be six people saying Bama. It might be six people saying Ohio State versus five saying the other way. And that's actually how a decision is made about who makes the playoff. That is, now, we don't see the ballots either, which I think is really unfair. Because it, the, the reason why this could end up happening is there could be somebody who ranks Alabama number six overall or Ohio State number six overall, and somebody is driving them down in terms of overall votes because they're not even putting them in that four or five spot. Right? I'm saying that it should be Alabama versus Ohio State. But if you really know that you want your school to win and get in at four, you would go Alabama four, Ohio State six, or Ohio State four, Alabama six, and hurt them in the point total. Right? If you're voting in a way to magnify your opinion, you wouldn't just put Alabama four or Ohio State four. You would put their opponent all the way down at six so they get fewer total points. This, I mean, I'm just telling you, this is a recipe for disaster. They always say, you don't want to know how the hot dog is made. Well, if it's a tough decision, you need to figure out how the hot dog is made. And what we found out in 2000 was, man, our electoral system, there's a lot of flaws to it. And we went all the way to the Supreme Court to have to figure out who won that election. I think this, we don't even have the actual ballots, so nobody even knows. I've been saying for a long time, you need to put out every single committee member's votes. You can say, oh, the college football coaches voting in their college football poll, which doesn't matter, but that poll exists. Oh, it's such a conflict of interest. Well, you're right, which is why they release every single college football coaches poll. So you can see exactly how they rank the teams. Why are we not doing that for the college football playoff committee too? Shouldn't every member of the committee have to release their overall poll? Shouldn't we be able to look at it and be like, oh man, here's where the fix was in. I'm just a guy who believes in shining lights on dark corners because that's where conspiracies live. Bright light, sunshine is the ultimate antidote to corruption. Don't have it here. I'm telling you the fix could be in. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 